Yo, what up, what up? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Manning, and this is Mike Line, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artist or major player in the music industry. We ask the questions that you always wanted to get answered, and you never know who may pop by. For this episode of Mike Line, we talked to Joe K to discuss the start of selection, growing the company, radio, and a ton more. Welcome to Mike Line. So welcome to another episode of Mike Line. So today's really cool because from the outside looking in, I've been following this gentleman's work and his collector's work for, shoot, for, I want to say since 2012, super early. And just to see where it started from to now, it's been super cool. One of my favorite stories. Uh, I would like him to introduce himself. What's good? Um, my name is Joe Kay. Happy to be here representing Selection. Yes. LA-based, also all around the world. Happy to be here. Thank you. Easily, I think Selection is one of the most important, I guess, entities in music as far as just music discovery. And as far as also being producers first, DJs first, I think that's really, really cool because sometimes people forget that it's easily. The One of the pillars is the DJ, is the producer, you know? Uh, and I like love the fact that that's where this whole entity came from. What is your definition of selection? When people say, what is selection, what do you say? That's a great question. I mean, it's it's always a little difficult, honestly, to, to explain what it is. But the way I describe it is, one, we are uh, a record label where we have a, a weekly radio show. It's a collective. And it's just overall a, a lifestyle, I would say. It's definitely built a, a, a nice community. When you say you know, hey, do you, if, if you see someone wearing a selection, you know, hat or you see something that's related to selection, you say it, you, you automatically just start a conversation and you already know it's almost like a personality trait. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a you listen to that style of music. It kind of just t- tells somebody that you're open minded, you know, to different things in life and specifically music, the way you dress, the way you express yourself. And I think that's really cool just to identify uh, with with people that way, it's almost like this this social club, but like, but it's not like a cult. It's not like a, it's not pretentious. It's 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 just if you know, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, it's a way of life. But in, in terms of the sound, I would say like it's hard to to describe in detail what the selection sound is because it's so many things infused in one. You know, mm-hmm. you have like obviously we come from from like. You know, hip hop and R and B, neo soul. You have jazz elements. You have house elements. You have reggae and dub and Afro beats. You have all these different sounds and you know, kind of coming together. And it kind of is just like everybody's favorite inspirations and samples, and it and it's just all in one. So you never know how to like put a name on it, but when you hear it, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't say like your journey and selection's journey is like the perfect example of just following your gut and just doing what you love yes. and it, it eventually becomes something that it's not only a business but something that um that is important take me back to the beginning because i'd love the story of how like essentially you started with like a mix and it literally just birthed from there until you meeting the powers and everything just happening yeah so i'm gonna try to keep this as minimal <laughs> as possible uh but yeah i, I came up you know, I've always been, uh, you know, just a heavy, heavy digger in music since I was, you know, a young child, just being surrounded by 
you know, like being the only child and just being around adults all the time, I felt like I kind of grew up quicker. Came from a, a small split family, but I received a lot of love from my parents and, and from the people around me. So that's why it really mattered. And there was always music being played around the crib. You know, there was from Erica Badu to Sade to Rage Against the Machine to Jay to DMX to Tool to just so many different styles of music. And my, my uncle as well was like a, a house DJ. Mm. And he, he was like really into like deep house music and like techno and trance back in the 90s. So just being exposed to that and, you know, as I got older, um, I met a family friend who I consider more like a like a Theo or like a godfather, like a mentor type figure. And he used to work for Universal at the time. And um, when all the urban artists would come through, like mainly specifically like in rap music um, from like G-Unit, like, like when 50 first came out or when Cash Money first came out, I remember like Juvenile coming out for this first time and coming out with with uh what was it um it, it was hot i mm-hmm. think it was hot hot and, and then he dropped back that ass up and yeah. at that time it was so raw and like seeing little wayne and me just being exposed to that you know that new orleans sound uh it was just kind of like whoa you know and having you know going with him on the radio runs you know he would take me to power 106 or 92.3 just being exposed to that at a young age i think that just kind of struck a light bulb. So as I got older, you know, started getting like 14, 15, I started really like, you know, on the internet and using LimeWire and MySpace music, I started really using those tools to like seek out my own music that I that I started to find. And using, you know, certain blogs that were super low key, but like the people who were curating them were putting me onto some shit. And then I've always been the type to, you give me something, and then I just go 10 times harder on it. Like, you give me an artist, you give me a song that I really enjoy, I'll just do all the, I'll just find their whole catalog or things that are unreleased from them. That's how, that's how it's always been, is where I just take something and then I end up catching up to the people who are putting me on and I end up surpassing them. Mm. And because I'm just so excited about it that I end up doing my own research or then I start putting my own friends and my own people onto it. So I always kind of just enjoyed that feeling, you know, of, putting people onto music and giving people an opportunity and giving people like I just I just love that feeling like people always ask me like oh why don't you produce or why don't you create music um my calling and my thing was always more of the journalism side and the research side and like I said you know giving people those shots I got a better feeling than having that that intuition to want to like learn how to make music that was never mm. like something that i cared about as much I, I love that you say that because sometimes i feel as you you go on your path or words you initially like and you know you grow and your interest grows um people sort of just kind of branch out to things where i'd be like how does that like um that don't feel natural you know mm-hmm. and i'd love that the, you just saw your your calling understood it and was like oh this is me and really went down, went down, like honed in on that. Yeah, I th- I think uh, you know my parents they always really like pushed me to to like be better, be bigger than the situation, and like they just always told me literally like a simple one liner like yo you you can do anything you want like whatever you want to be wanted. My dad, my dad tried to you know he wanted me to be more traditional at the time. Mm-hmm. You know he wanted me to be a like a lawyer like a doctor just because he thought he felt I was smart enough or or be at the time I thought I was going to play sports because he had me involved in sports but my parents didn't really get it at first but I just kept I was doing me and that's one thing is that like both of my parents they're both Leo's so they're very dominant personalities Mm -hmm. and I'm a Libra so I'm like 
you know, I could be indecisive, but I also know what I want. I'm kind of like balancing both of them. So I'm like this hybrid personality of like I have a really, when I want something, like no one could tell me shit, including them. So I was just like, all right, the more anyone pushed, the more you push against me, the more I'm going to make it happen. So as I got through teens, I, I discovered, like when I was in high school, I discovered like Dilla. I graduated 2007 from high school. So so when he, he had actually just passed, and I didn't know who Dilla was until after he passed, but I didn't realize I was a, I, I realized after that I was a fan of him all along because his productions with Tribe and Common and Erica and so forth and all these other legends that I was listening to, I didn't know who produced it until I got a little bit older and I'm like, you know what, let me dig a little bit further and look at the credits and let me see who's actually producing this. So, you know, then I discovered Stone's Throw and, you know, Flying Lotus and the whole low-end theory sound based in LA, the beat scene. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated from high school, that's kind of when it all really started. You know, I bought like a, a $20 mixing program, like real cheap. And it wasn't like a DJ program. It was just more like almost like a podcast, mm. almost like a, a garage band for a PC laptop. And uh, I was able to just start curating music. Like it was almost like track selection, but it was just in one long mix. Mm. And I started doing these podcasts called Ill Vibes. That was 2007 when I started. And uh, within about like, I would say like 12 to 14 months, I built like 30,000 subscribers in that first year. And that was just through that service automatic because you, you can upload it as a podcast through itunes mm. and this was all pre you know soundcloud this was pre apple music spotify all pre-streaming so this was like kind of when myspace was at its prime but also on its decline mm. and facebook was coming in and i believe soundcloud and mixcloud were around but they weren't as prominent nowhere near at that time so it was really early. People thought I was, you know, this weird, like I had weird taste in music. I don't think they really, like, people kind of just laughed. You know, they didn't believe in it because it was just so alternative. But I didn't care. I just kept pushing it. And I, even though the people around me weren't, really, like, other than a few friends, didn't get it, internationally, I felt like all the subscribers were coming from across the world. Like, they understood. Oh, wow. So, it was, you know, it was like the Jimi Hendrix effect where, you know, overseas, it made sense first. And then when people started seeing the international presence, then they're like, oh, okay. And then the, the local success and the local like attention started coming through around me. You know, from that point, I met the, the co-founder at the time. Like we started this together. His name was 96 and he was the art director at the time. He's no, he, we ended up parting ways, you know, like a couple of years in and like, man, got a lot of love for him still because we came up with the basis of what Selection is. He created the logo. Mm. You know, he used to make artwork for my old podcast. So when, when we figured out that we wanted to create something bigger, in fact, it's funny because Hypebeast and a few other blogs and blogs are really prominent at that time were like the foundation of what we wanted to do. It wanted, we wanted it to be like a, a music and lifestyle and like fashion platform originally mm -hmm. like merging best all worlds photography just anything anything great yeah anything that has aesthetic but then um it took us about a couple of years to come up with the name selection and the, the concept of it but we had all these relationships that that i had built from the podcast and all these artists that i was featuring mm -hmm. so we knew that when we launched selection that we were going to launch this compilation of all those producers an artist that we were like building with and that didn't really have a platform. And then I knew that when I was going to Fullerton College at the time that I had to transfer to university 
in order to have a radio show on campus because mm-hmm. you had to be a part-time or full-time student. Mm-hmm. So that was my reward for transferring. Even though I was a comm major and I knew that I was going to do music, the whole point was to get in there to be able to launch the show. Mm. And that's kind of when it started. January 2011 is when that launch began. So we co-launched the radio show, the first ever episode, and then the compilation. It was almost like our own marketing rollout. You know, like we didn't have PR at the time. We didn't have none of that. It was just our way of just co-launching that and and just uh, using our own voice. How did you turn, I guess, the show into, like, the business? That came gradually. That came naturally over time because, yeah, of course, like, you want to eat off of it. But my intention was never, like, yo, how can I eat off everybody? How can I, how can I capitalize? It was always about everyone before me. And I think that goes a long way. I think, you know, how can I give back? How can I put people on? How can I figure out the formula? How can I crack the code? And, um, you know, I had met. Andre about a year prior to the launch he was he had just moved from Delaware from the east coast and he had moved to San Diego and he was doing you know he's all he's an actual artist like that that boy could could paint and draw and he's super creative like before he started DJing and all that stuff he was actually like painting like you know really dope things and and that's how I met him through an art show that he was curating for a gallery space and he asked me to DJ and that's how we met and I needed somebody that was local that was in California or within the proximity to that to work with me because 96 he was based out in France so he was so far that I needed someone with me so when I brought in Andre we just started to build this team and after those that first release it got such a I think I think it got like I want to say like 5,000 downloads like for the compilation within the first couple of months which is at that time it was like, great it's great it was just on our we made a splash page and that was it it was a zip file it wasn't oh, wow. it wasn't Bandcamp. it wasn't soundcloud it was just literally through that in the radio show wow yeah so that was pretty organic you know and we, we realized the hits were coming from around the world so then people just started demanding um, more releases so then we started i think the first one we did after that was taku and that was prior to him being like, you know, what he turned into. Yeah. That was early. And he had this concept where he made a bunch of beats in 24 hours. And at the time, there was a, the, the tsunami had just hit in Japan. So we dropped that release and all the, and we released it through Bank and we found out about it, how you could release it and do donations or put a set price on it. And all the donations, uh, all the money that was made went to the relief to go towards the. Uh, the tsunami victims and, and stuff of that time. So after Taku, we just, man, we just kept putting out music. And it just, like, you know, all the relationships we built, we just never turned back. And it, it naturally progressed into, like, this digital record label, you know, coming from DIY, like SoundCloud and Bandcamp. It's really special when um, that early process of when things are becoming, um, just because at the moment, I think you're probably at your most creative just because you're just coming from very pure place during those times were there instances where you could have went left but went right and where you could have did this it was like no that doesn't feel right let's try to do that and um what was those um, decisions like yeah i mean till this day we still go through those moments i mean sometimes i wish like i would have taken a a business class like or or maybe been a business major if i would have known or like or just gone into some sort of like taking a course on just like here's the basic structure and one-on-one of like how to run 
a creative business, like whether it's music or art, whatever it is, I didn't really have anybody that had such a unique platform such as me mm-hmm. to be able to to run me through it. And I just felt like selection was always my internship. It was mm-hmm. always my own um, way of teaching. My, it was my university. I, I've learned way more from selection than I have in any of my courses mm. ever from kindergarten to college. And I think that's a testament to just like, you know, sometimes you, you know, people can sit there and tell you things about what to do, what not to do, what to watch out for. And you can do that, but it's not until you go through it. I feel like sometimes that's the best lesson till you fall on your ass or till you get a taste of what the positives and the milestones feel like. Does that create a sense of of hunger or like eagerness to, to keep to keep progressing in it, you know, to become inspired? Not until you take your first international flight based off doing what you love and getting booked for a show and getting paid for it and getting your your whole like trip accommodated for like until you go through that does that feed your soul and like remind you you know until you have people recognizing you in the airport or you go to a cafe or you go somewhere and they recognize you and they tell you how much you changed their life or whatever it is like help them get through a hard time those are the reminders there's been moments where, you know, my, I always listen to my gut and my intuition mm-hmm. and I always try to follow that. And yeah, there's been times where I was misled or it wasn't in the wrong place. But like I said, those lessons always have been lessons, literally like those, those wrong doors taught me, okay, never go down that again. Or that's not how you operate. That's not how you do things. Or next time speak up because closed mouths don't get fed. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, gotta, you gotta communicate, you gotta be transparent and, um, yeah, man, you got to just be persistent and just keep digging. Yeah. What's the, um, I think music discovery is a big part of selection. And um, just it's become like, I guess what selection is known for. Because that's something I remember the first time I, I heard Taku or Sango or a lot of these producers to become really big stars themselves. Um, what is the music discovery process for you? And how do you know, like, oh, this is something really, really, I think really unique that we should um, invest in? Music discovery for me, I, I I use everything. I mean, SoundCloud is still a big majority of my preference of what of what I'm using to discover music. I know people think, I mean, yes, I can honestly say there's definitely not as many people as a community on SoundCloud, but the diggers and the real ones are still on there. They know where to find music, and that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Because there you're going to find, you know, especially for my live sets or just a radio show, the edits is what keeps the world going for me. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have the people improvising and adding their layers over our favorite songs, you know, that's like the stuff that you want to hear when you're out, when you're driving, when you're at the festival, when you're at the club or the, the bar, or whatever, you know, going about your day when you're traveling. Those songs that you may be connected to hearing your favorite producers or someone you may not know flip those. Mm-hmm. That's the only place that you can really find them is on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. you know, rooted on there. Or even like demos or, or like ideas before they go to streaming. Those are places that I still go to. But I use everything, you know, I use Apple Music, I use Spotify, I use YouTube, Tidal, um, Shazam, SoundHound. I use anything. And then I also I'm just very fortunate to have like such a great crew and, and a great network of people who are either creating music that are constantly sending me music that's not even released yet that are like work in progress or just unreleased or just for the homies or you know just having like a great crew that are also like some of the best diggers and ARs in terms of finding new artists from all over the world and putting me onto stuff so we're all just constantly sharing music you know and I think like that's why we're always forward and always ahead there's so many things that 
I have on my phone and in my library right now that like no one's ever heard. And it's just nice to have in my back pocket and knowing that I can present that at any moment. And um, that's just always been the way like music discovery. People are always going to look for new music. People are never going to get tired of it. And I feel like that's why selection always will probably have um, longevity in this game because our main thing is what we do is putting people onto new music Mm -hmm. and that never gets old. Yeah. I love that when Apple Music started Apple Shows, Selection was one of the shows that it picked. And that's just because that was the only show where it wasn't like a, such a, this Pharrell and such and such, or a, you know, we're just a huge artist with a show. And I thought that's because of strength and the testament to Selection. And I also thought it was really interesting because as a conversation when people are, Apple is investing in radio um, and digital radio, traditional radio, it's an influx where just like discovery is no longer there anymore. And now it's turning to the internet. What do you see the benefits having an internet radio show? And just what are some of the things you enjoy about having the show? Yeah, I think having a show on Apple Music and Beats One is, is yeah, like you said, it's a testimony to all the sleepless nights and all the hard work that was put into it. But I think it's just so important because when it comes to like actual radio or just any like on demand listening and playlisting, I, I feel like. There's not many networks, if any, that's greater than Beats One. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about like the infrastructure, the ecosystem that they have of being able to, you know, give be given an, a platform and an opportunity to to do what I do, like full creative control. And just being, I mean, how many people have iPhones in the world? And even if you don't have an iPhone, you know, they have the app where you can still, in the palm of your hand, still tune in. And I just think having that accessibility, you know, it's like when people get purchase an iPhone, whether they realize that or not on that music app it's in there already to know that the accessibility is there you know i think that's great and just there's just a great it's just a great team over there at beats one and apple and the the resources that they provided me and you know when i travel the world they always source a studio for me and they gave me like a team of producers which is something i never had mm. prior to being at, at beats one you know i never i was always doing every single thing by myself editing the show, uploading it, and just playlisting it. It was just such so much time and work. And now they give me time to really focus on the creative side and do what I do while they kind of get in there and do like some of the grittier stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And that I just think it's, it's a great thing to have them. And just being knowing that, you know, surrounded by greats. I mean, there's been, you know, there, there may be shows on there that aren't currently doing shows because, you know, the artists are not radio people like myself or Ebro or Zane or Julie. These are people who usually come forward when they have a rollout or something to push forward when they're not, you know, when they don't have their album or a a big project coming out. They kind of just go back to creating music and and stuff like that. But it's just been good. There's been so many radio shows that have been on there and so many great artists that I've heard and listened to that. I just think it's like a great community and just a lot of these people inspire me as like I'm a fan of them. So just to know that, you know, this this Hispanic kid, you know, this coming from like, you know, a Latino community, there's not many of us in the game that Mm -hmm. are doing that. It's like, it's really cool to just represent on everyone's behalf and to just be able to, you know, you see all these familiar faces and then you see selection. It's like, wait, what? Like, who is this and why are they there? Kind of just makes you question and wonder. So yeah, it's, it's been great, man. Just the whole process. And yeah, I mean, I don't really see any other, there's no need for me to go to any other network, Mm -hmm. you know, as of right now, like I'm content. And it's nice to, to like have started with them from the beginning too. 
You've done like hundreds of radio shows, but I guess it's, I'm curious to ask, is there a show or episode that like sticks out to you or just like something really memorable happened or something funny happened or unexpected or anything that pops in mind? I would say some of the, I mean, there's been a lot and, and it's hard to like favor yeah. one of them, but I mean, there's a few like in the recent times, I mean, the one with J-Rock from not j-rock from tde but j-rock from the beat junkies he did a dilla tribute mm. and that was really important to me to have him do that and luckily i mean he doesn't he's done them on his own before but i knew it was, to get him on i had to like approach him properly and he's a good he's a good homie of mine and and uh it was just cool because like that session in itself i let him pretty much take he took over the whole show but i was like co-hosting with him mm -hmm. and we just had a lot of fun and he's he's a funny guy and he just kind of you know, call me out on certain things. And it was just cool and fun to be like, just joked around with like that. Cause I'm always usually like more of a journalism, serious side mm -hmm. interviewing people. So it was nice to have someone kind of talking their shit to me. Yeah. And then, um, recently too, I did a, a show. It was, it was episode 403 and it was uh, focused on, on Afro beats, um, Afro fusion and Alte, which all stems from mainly Nigeria and from Ghana. And I'm, I'm like a big fan of all those artists and, and the young generation that's coming up. And a lot of them came up listening to Selection. So it's crazy to hear, you know, from the SoundCloud world, hearing what they're creating, but in like a Nigerian style or in an African style way and putting their touch on it. It's like this new genre that came out. Alta represents alternative music. They don't really have a way to describe it. It's like all these things fused together, but it has this like feeling to it in. I've just been trying to put as many people on. So those are two episodes that like had happened in the past couple of months that like, you know, as I keep growing and keep getting better at what I do, different shows keep changing as my favorites. When younger people come up to you and say, hey, I want to be a, uh, a radio host uh, or show host, um, what advice do you give to them? You know, one, there's so much accessibility nowadays. I mean, you don't even need essentially a radio session. You can, I mean, we all listen to things on demand. So essentially all you need is, I mean, anyone could upload something to Spotify or to iTunes, you know, Apple Music or SoundCloud or YouTube even. Instagram, that guy, IGTV, you know what I'm saying? You can start making, you know, video podcasts now. And so my advice to everybody that comes to me for a sense of direction I mean, the main thing is originality, you know, being you. Also having, you know, study the greats, study the people who inspire you. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by, you know, people that move you. But just make sure that you're not so inspired that you're replicating what they're doing. Because then you just become a spawn of that. And you're literally just, there's nothing wrong with pushing a message and a bigger story. But at the end of the day, you really want to have your own narrative. You want to have your own style, your own sound, the way you speak, the language, the, the way you present things, aesthetic, all that. You know what I mean? The music. Obviously, it's like, OK, I can see this. I mean, there's so many DJs and artists that Selection and myself have inspired because they've came up to me and they've shared their stories and they've shared their links with me of their work that they've created since Selection. So I'm super honored. And that's the whole point of like what we do is to get other people to do their own thing. But I think when I see people, I have I have met some people that like their work is almost too similar. Mm -hmm. And and I get it cuz that happened to me before, but it's hard for me to separate them as their own because it just sounds like what's already been done. Mm -hmm. I want them there's no, obviously there's going to be music that I've played in that, that I'm not I don't own the music. No, play the music. 
but you just got to have a way of presenting it and just a way of connecting with the people. That's the hard part is how do you build the community? Even if you're inspired by a certain sound or you want to just focus on a certain style of music, how do you present it in a way that hasn't been done before? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's the key. And that's something that like, okay, I was inspired by a lot of different radio shows and personalities coming up when I first started. But I still feel like when you listen to Selection, it's like it's his own thing. You know, people wanted to try to put us in the future beats category or whatever. But like you listen and you're like, okay, there's a segment where you're hearing reggae. There's a segment where you're hearing, you know, um, only samples. And I think that's what separates us. You know what I mean? Is that like every show is different. It's not just you're not just listening to two hours of the same music or I'm not only playing two hours of only our artists that have released with selection. That, that would get boring after a while totally. and redundant. So it's always about reinventing ourselves. How can we keep genuinely organically tapping in and putting people onto new things? So that's just my thing is just stay original, be consistent, study the people who inspire you and um, just try to do something that hasn't been done. I was at a, uh, a show last night, Rosalia. Uh, I, was, I wanted to go. It's She's one of my favorite artists right now. The music is intoxicating. But I was standing there and it hit me like now more than ever, international music and international artists are getting so much love in the States. Just like the show was completely packed. Everyone was singing the words and it's just like, yo, like, would this even be possible five years from now? I guess everyone, it's finally here where I guess because the Internet makes things so accessible, people are discovering music outside of their, not just their community, but the country they live in. Um, And one of the things that interests me because I bring this up because Selection was one of the first to like embrace all these different sounds and make it palatable for people to like to digest. Um, in your opinion, I would love to get your intake of what makes you think now more than ever international music is so, I guess, welcome now. It's a great question. I feel, I mean, and, and Rosalia, she's like mainly singing in Spanish, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, you don't Comple- even, yeah. yeah, completely. And you don't even have to understand Spanish to mm-hmm. appreciate it. I just think because we're in a, just a, an era and a time where, I mean, through social media and yeah, I mean, social media in itself and streaming have made things more accessible. Mm. And as long as you know how to present yourself, she definitely knows how to present herself. And forget how she presents herself, her talent and skill on stage um, is just, like, unprecedented. Like, I mean, she's, like, literally, it's almost like a theatrical opera experience at certain moments because she's just going full acapella, and her voice is so powerful, no effects, no, no nothing really over her voice. She's just pure from the heart going in, and I feel like, People really see that, they feel that, and they appreciate that. So artists like that don't always come around, but it's felt. And because, yeah, she's international too, I think that does have a psychological effect in terms of coming to the States. You know what I mean? Coming out here, it's like you don't get international artists out here all the time. So all those things definitely contribute, but it does stem from the music. She obviously is is an amazing performer, but like her music is heartfelt, so... Someone like that or just in general, international artists, international music, I think, you know, out here in in North America, like we're pretty much trendsetters when it comes to most music. Like everyone usually listens to American, you know, music, like all all the rap music, every every genre you can think of is heartfelt across the world. But we're not the only ones doing it. Mm -hmm. Music is music. Humans are humans. And it's like we're citizens of the world. So it's like there's 
I feel like everyone's just getting inspired by each other. And there's people from all over the world that are just creating greatness. And because of the internet, we're able to discover that through Instagram, through whatever, through Twitter. How many times have you seen, there's been so many songs that I've seen through like a meme video or something on Twitter or Triller or totally. like, you know what I'm saying? Or like through someone's Instagram story that like you're not going to find on the radio. You might not even find it on a playlist yeah. on streaming, but people were just sharing music organically is like, is the biggest way to connect. Yeah. Social media has become such a, a huge component and discovery for me. Like I just, just stumble onto things just because it's just looking at my phone out of this boredom and then finding an artist that I fall in love with. It's insane how important social media is. You said something in the beginning where the international, the international was the first ones to take notice of you in selection. Why do you think the outside market took notice of you first? I think because a lot of the music had like, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just feel like overseas, especially places like in Europe, especially like in the UK, like in London, and you go to places like Australia, and you go to like certain markets in Asia. I don't know. They just, they're just more open. Mm. I don't. They're just more open minded to the music, to life. Um, I I can't really put a a finger on it. That, that other than that, I just feel that sometimes people overseas they just get it quicker. Mm. And maybe I don't know if it's because you know, it, like vice versa. You're asking me why is international music big in the states, mm. and vice versa. Why is American music big? internationally right mm. it's like this reverse psychology thing going on i'm not really sure but yeah i don't know if it's because it has like this international touch on it and it's coming from the states that people overseas like dang that's crazy that this person is putting us on to stuff that that makes sense to me mentally and mm. spiritually but i would just say the music that i've been pushing early on was not only unique Especially like if I was pushing, you know, Flying Lotus and that style of music that's being made and created in L.A., right? To them, what better way to get that source of L.A. beat scene content at the time with that Dilla. Dilla comes from the States. He's from the Midwest. You know, he's from Detroit. And it's like, yeah, they can listen to someone. But if you have someone that's really focused on the narrative of that and pushing it weekly or daily, I can understand how it's big and people here i feel like sometimes we're too spoiled by everything i mean we have everything out here you know what i mean we have access to so much out here that it's just like okay cool like you kind of it's easy to just sleep on something mm -hmm. but overseas they appreciate it more you know what i'm saying and vice versa there mm -hmm. may be something that's stemming in a certain country right now in a city that people around may not even be appreciating but the moment someone from the states starts recognizing it and giving it attention then it becomes like oh damn if they're messing with it we gotta mess with it yeah. I don't know it's weird Yeah, you know uh, and then the last question we usually ask advice so I guess I would ask if there's a kid that's out there and they ask and tell you hey so I got this idea um, but I'm not sure where to start I guess what would you tell them or just how do you tell them to I guess maneuver yeah, that kind of stems back to, you know, the question of, like, how do you start your own show or whatever? But, yeah, it, it it's still in the same vein of being true to yourself. Um, really, like, do your research on all levels, not just even in the field that you're in, just everything. Like, you know, like, having knowledge is, like, your biggest weapon, you know? Knowing that, you know, you're going to face adversity. I mean, a lot of people outside looking in may assume that whatever they want about selection, that it's, like, probably think like we own this crazy like we, we may be in this big building and 
this, this, and that, and we're like multimillionaires and all this stuff. But in reality, it's like, no, we still, it's like the Rubik's Cube of life. Mm -hmm. I haven't figured out the full formula. I'm still figuring it out. Mm. Gotten pretty further. We've been digging, um, but even I'm still figuring it out. And that's probably crazy to some people because people think that, ah, nah, how's that possible? You've, you've quote unquote made it or this, this, and that. But I don't feel I've made it yet. I feel... Yeah, am I comfortable with certain things? Yeah, but I don't even like using that word. That's a dangerous word because when you get comfortable, you slow down. Yeah. Or you sometimes you become uninspired. And I've been there too where I got comfortable or I isolated myself. Mm. You know, be careful about isolation too. I was recently talking about this. Is You know, you don't want to isolate yourself too much. Like you want to differentiate yourself from everybody. But you isolate yourself too far in a way where you lose connection from what got you there through mm -hmm. the door in the first place or your roots, you end up in a position where you start to become either paranoid or, or you, you lose trust or you start overthinking. And most importantly, you just lose basic touch with things going on around you because you're too isolated, you're too in your head. And so keeping the, the right people close to you building a team eventually if you have a successful business you can't do it by yourself you need a strong team and you guys need to be communicative you need to be transparent with each other and um yeah it's not going to be easy like there's been so many times where i've wanted to give up mm. you know at a certain point like why am i doing this i have to remind myself or i go on tour and meeting these people that are like or receiving these dms from people that like emails and messages and notes like how much I have helped change their lives, how much me and my team and other artists and certain music has changed their life. And thanking us, like, that's the reminder. You know what I'm saying? It has, it's, at this point, it's bigger than me. It's like a community service mm. to the world. So when there's times where, like today, I got to go record a show, do I feel like, you know, I'm in New York. Mm -hmm. I'm not here often. Do I feel like going to the studio right now to record? Hell no. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't want, I want to chill. I want to go. I have friends out here. I want, I, I want to go see some stuff, go shopping, eat some food. Mm -hmm. My last day before I leave in the morning. Do I, yeah, I don't want to go. Like, it's, it's work. Like, am I thankful that this is what I call my job? Of course. But I'm just saying I'm human too. And I have normal feelings and emotions. And, yeah, I got to stop my whole life to, to literally do this radio show today. I got to go pre-record it for this weekend. So, you know. These are things that people don't know and that I don't really speak about. But yeah, I get, it's tough. It's, it's work. Hopping on a plane early in the morning, being away from family. There's so many factors that go into this, but you just got to know that there's a bigger picture. Than it. And if you really want to do it, then you got to be all in. You can't half-ass it. You half-ass, you're going to get a half-ass result and you're going to be lost in the race. So that's my advice to everybody. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, man. Well, that's today's episode of Mike Line, and thanks for tuning in. You can listen to more episodes of Mike Line and everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Mike Line on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content. Let us know who you like to have on the show, and thank you for listening to Mike Line.